everybody. So good to see you today. I hope you guys are all doing great. Just love talking about vision and just all the awesome things that can be happening on our island and just love the part that you guys play in it. And so today I'm just excited to continue to share a little bit more from this series. And behind me is not Joe's wardrobe. It is my wardrobe. And every Saturday night, Landon and sometimes Bryn will step into my room and we'll say, Dad, you know, Landon especially will say, Dad, um, can we pick out the clothes for tomorrow? And they like to pick out the shirt that I'm going to wear to church the next day. And so we stand there and we talk and they have names for all of these shirts, okay? And so this one is Spider-Man. This one is Butterscotch. Uh, I got Root Beer. I got Tundra here. I got, uh, what else do I have? Oh yeah, this is a new one. This is uh, blue, blue cotton candy or, or cotton candy blue. There it is. And so we have all these different names and, and they were, you know, they gave me their advice and I think they were trying to get me to wear one of these other shirts today, but I haven't quite lost my Christmas Thanksgiving weight. So today you get to see me wearing fade. Here I am. I'm wearing fade and I'm hoping all the weight will fade into the shirt and you won't actually see it anymore. But here I am and every single Saturday night I get to choose what I will wear. They make their recommendations at the end of the day. I choose what I will clothe myself in. And same is true for you. So my question for you today is, is what are you wearing today? What did you clothe yourself in this week? What do I mean by that? Well, here's what happens. We go through life and we get hurt by some things. We go through life and we have some disagreements with some people. We go through life and we feel some pain or some disappointment in a relationship or maybe a church or maybe a leader and then we choose, then we choose, what will I clothe myself with? See, we began to clothe ourselves in things like anger. We began to clothe ourselves in things like gossip. We began to clothe ourselves with things like unforgiveness or disunity. And all these things, we don't even realize it sometimes, we're wearing through our week, we're walking through our week clothed in these things. And these things are now impacting all that we do. And so today, I want to talk with you about these things that we can so easily struggle with. I want to talk with you about what the Bible has to say about these things. See, there's this famous verse in the Bible that says this, don't go to bed angry, stay awake and plot revenge. No, wait, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it. But, but that's what we want to do, right? That's what we, sometimes we do, right? And so God has this whole other way of looking at the things that we go through in life and some of the pain that we go through and what we do with that is so important. So what are you wearing today? How have you clothed yourself? Today I want to talk about, I want to cast vision for our church about how to walk in a way that we are clothing ourselves with things like love. We're clothing ourselves with things like uh, forgiveness, not unforgiveness, forgiveness. We're clothing ourselves with things like patience and humility and kindness. What would it be like if you and I each decided, you know what, that's what I'm going to wear from now on. That's what I'm going to walk around clothed in. See, here's the thing. The, the point of this vision series is to try to cast to you and I some pictures of what it could look like for us to get further down the road as a church and as individuals. And so we talked about worship a few weeks ago. And we've purposefully kept two songs in the front of the service and then two songs at the end because we want to continue to give you guys that opportunity after the message to say, you know what? We want to continue to grow in our worship. We want to continue to get you know, better. I don't even want to use that word better, but, but just go deeper in our worship of God together. And then last week I talked about how, man, we've all been gifted to make a difference and we're this, like together we make up this beautiful thing, this beautiful body that God desires for us to kind of like lean on each other. Just like right now, I'm speaking, I'm talking, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm communicating, and my body's doing all these things because it's working together, right? And that's the picture that we saw last week is that this huge difference we can make as a church if we could work together and each use our gifts and play our parts. But none of that's going to happen if we aren't unified. 
if we aren't loving, if we aren't forgiving. And you know what? In your lives, you have some things. I know many of you. I know many of the things you're walking through. And I know some of you right now feel like your heart's been ripped out of your chest recently. And you're like, am I going to forgive? Am I going to love? Am I going to bear with someone who has hurt me? Am I going to be patient? Am I going to humble myself? Am I going to be kind? Am I going to turn the other cheek? Am I going to do what Jesus called me to do? But the thing about it all is it's really, really hard, isn't it? So we do this environment called Starting Point. And we talk about reading the Bible and we talk about prayer and what that's all about. And one of the things that we always talk about is, this, is what Jesus told us to pray. He says, hey, when you pray, one of the things you should pray is, oh God, forgive me for the sins I've committed against you as I forgive those who have committed sins against me. And in starting point, as we kind of go through some different ideas about prayer, we, we like to keep it very conversational. And so we stop and we kind of say, what do you think about this and that? And we're talking. And as we're making our way through one of the things that always happens every single time is when we get to that prayer about unforgiveness, the most amazing conversations come out. Because this is where people kind of say, oh man, this is really hard. This whole forgiveness thing is really, really difficult. And so right there in the midst of that is kind of voiced what we all feel. It is so hard to forgive. It is so hard to love those who don't love us well. It's so hard to love those and be unified with those who maybe have hurt us. And so today, I just want to cast some vision for this because it is tricky. And here's what's going to happen. We're going to find ourselves in some different categories. Some of you guys are in category one, and your response to thinking about hearing a message about this is, Doug, I'm in. Like, if I need to forgive somebody, I'm ready to do it. If I need to love somebody who's hard to love, I'm ready to do it. If that's what God calls me to, I'm in. Some of us are ready. But some of us find ourselves in category two. And category two is when you hear me start to talk about this, you're going, nope, nope, nope. Not me today, not going to listen, not going to do what I'm supposed to do here. Don't care, not going to happen. Because I've got some deep woundedness and I'm not okay with this. There was a guy named Simon Weisenthal. And in World War II, he was 21 years old when the Nazis invaded his homeland of Poland. He was taken prisoner and he lived for four years in a concentration camp. 89 of his relatives died in that camp. And he's there working in this camp. And one day he's taken to a hospital facility where they're caring for the German wounded soldiers. And he's now walking through these halls with all of these people who basically murdered his family. And as he's walking through, he was put on garbage duty. And so he's walking through emptying garbage cans out of the soldiers' rooms and taking them out to the dump. And, and he passed this cemetery where they buried the German soldiers who had passed away. And on them were all these sunflowers. And he looked at the grave and he remembered thinking to himself, you know what? I'm not going to have a grave like that covered with sunflowers. I'm going to be buried in a mass grave under all these corpses. And he wrote this book eventually called The Sunflower, The Possibilities and Limits of Forgiveness. And as he's in this, this uh, concentration camp one day, uh, he's taken by a nurse back into the hospital and into the room of a wounded German soldier who's very close to death. And this German soldier grabs Simon Weisenthal's hand and says, you are a Jew. And Simon says, yes. And he grabbed him so tight, Simon couldn't even get away. He said, I need to talk with you. He said, night after night, as I face death, I, I lay here thinking about the atrocities thing, the, the atrocities I've committed, the horrific things I've done against your people, and I needed to speak with a Jew. And he went on to confess thing after thing after thing that he had done during the war. And Simon was standing there, not really wanting to be in the room, honestly. And this man continued on, and eventually he said, I'm close to death, and the only thing I can think that will bring me peace is if you will forgive me. And Simon stood there, holding this man's hand, he looked out the window, thought for a while, and then walked out the room without saying a word. He could not bring himself 
to forgive. And that's where some of us are today. You're like, I am a prisoner, Doug. I'm in my own prison and I've been wounded and I've been so beat up. And so now if you're telling me I have a choice to forgive, I'm like Simon. I think there's a limit to the amount you can forgive. And I'm gonna choose to hang on to this. And today, man, I just wanna say, oh, I pray God does something in your heart. And I pray that as I talk about this, that you'll see the scriptures motivate you to do something. So that's what I want to do today. So often when we're in church, we hear someone talk about, you know, oh, you should do this or you should do that. But we don't often hear about why I should do that. Why should I forgive? And today I want to just talk with you about what God calls us to. But then I also want to say, here's why. Here is the why. And honestly, also, here is the how. Here's how we do it. See, because there's a third category of us here in this place today. And you're not on the, on the one side saying, hey, you know, I'm ready to go. But you're also not in category two saying, no way. You're in category three over here. And you're saying, man, I would love to, but I don't know how. I would love to do what God wants me to do, but my heart is really hurt and broken if I'm honest, Doug. So I'm open to what you have to say, but you got to motivate me. You got to show me how. And so today we're going to do just that. This is so important for us to talk about, guys, because I tell you what, a couple reasons. Number one. If we want to be the kind of people God's called us to be as individuals, then we have to love and forgive. If we want to be the kind of church God wants to call us to, or is calling us to be, we have to love and forgive. And you know what? Some of you guys, like I said, you have some very deep personal stuff going on. But we as a church, we're on a huge mission. And here's the thing. We forget sometimes there's a world outside these walls going to hell and they need Jesus. And we can't get sidetracked because we can't get along right? There's so much for us to do together. There's a whole world that needs to hear about Jesus. We need to be that, that light, bright, shining light out there saying, hey, there's hope, there's hope, there's hope. And so often what I've seen happen in church is we get so kind of sidetracked with our things we don't agree on, with the hurts we've caused one another, that because of those things, we don't make the impact out there we could. Because we're too busy trying to clean it all up in here. And I'm not saying that we're not willing to put in the time and effort to make sure we have a healthy church. That's what we're doing right now. It's okay. We'll get together with you and we'll talk. We'll get together and we'll pray and we'll allow Jesus to do great things in lives. We're not, we're not saying we're not going to do that. But what I'm saying is I think so often when we look at the big picture of church, man, we don't reach our potential because we're just not unified. And so today I really want to challenge you with that. And if that weren't enough, we're living in a dark world and we need each other as Christians more than ever, you know? And so often we're divided as Christians because we believe that. Oh, he believes that, I believe this. So I guess we can't be friends. We can't be unified. No, we can be and we have to be. If we have Jesus in common, then we have to be because we're starting to live in a world where we're going to need each other, right? I was recently watching Infinity War with my family. And we're watching this movie and, you know, all these superheroes and all this action going on and all these things happening. But God spoke to me through this movie. I'm telling you right now. I'll tell you, I'll tell you how it happened. Sitting there on the couch. And, and if you know the plot, near the beginning, Bruce encounters Thanos. And Thanos is this big, evil, horrible creature that basically is coming to destroy everything, right? And so Bruce goes to find help and he finds Tony Stark. He says, Tony, we got to get everybody together. There's this huge war coming. We have to have everybody because without everybody, we're not going to get anywhere against this guy, right? And then if you remember, Tony says, um, well, we have a little problem. 
Uh, you see, Steve Rogers and I, we, we aren't exactly on speaking terms. And the whole, like everything slows down. The camera comes in on Bruce's face. And, and this is where God spoke to me. And I think this is a word to you. So, so please don't laugh at this, even though I'm using an Avengers illustration here in church. I'm telling you, God put this on my heart. And this is so powerful. So the camera comes in on Bruce's face and he says, Tony, Thanos is coming. It does not matter who you're not talking to. And guys, I got to tell you today, Thanos is coming. Satan is coming to kill and destroy. And there's a world out there that needs Jesus. It does not matter who you're not talking to. We got to get over it. There's a whole world out there that God's called us to be a light to. And so we've got to forgive. And we've got to move past the hurt. And I'm not saying you're not hurt. And I'm not saying you don't have a right to feel pain. You do. But now what do we do with it? Do we go to the closet and put on the right thing now? Or do we clothe ourselves with hate and anger and unforgiveness? And so we've got to come around this. There's just too much at stake. For all these reasons, I pray you will say, Doug, today I'm at least willing to listen. I'm at least willing to hear what you have to say about unity, about forgiveness, about love, about compassion, humility, and patience. And so let's look at this here this morning. Here's what we're going to do. First, I'm going to tell you what God calls us to. And then I'm going to tell you why it's so important, how to do it. I want to motivate you. But first, let's see what God's calling us to as his followers. So Colossians 3, Paul wrote this to his friends in Colossians. In verse 13, it says this, bear with each other. Now, a lot of us might look at that and say, okay, cool. I just got to bear with people. Like, that's easy. Like, I could just kind of do that from afar. I can just sort of, you know, turn my back. I'll bear with you. You, do, you be annoying over there. I'll bear with you, right? That's not what it says. Okay, in the Greek, if you look at the Greek, the word bear means bear with each other in Ah, why'd you have to bring that word up, Doug? Love. Bear, bear with each other in love. See, that's what God's calling us to, is to love each other, even in our differences, even in our disagreements, even in our hurt and our pain. God calls us to bear with each other. There are certain people you click with and certain people you don't. There are certain people you used to click with and now, unfortunately, you don't anymore. But we still have to bear with each other in love. And Paul is writing this knowing that we will not click with everybody, Right? So last, or a couple weeks ago now, Andrew and I went out to California to meet with this architect that we hope to work with in whatever is next for us. And, and just be praying about that. Keep praying that God will make that all clear and make things happen according to his will and his timeline. Things are still kind of progressing with a certain thing, but not quite ready, unfortunately, to be able to share like I was hoping to today. But um, please keep praying. But there we are out there anyway with this guy, Mel, and he's this architect. He's driving us all over California, showing us all this cool stuff. And we're in his car. And so he goes, uh, guys, I apologize for my taste in music. And then he turns on the radio, right? And it was the music of my childhood. It was 80s and 90s Christian rock alt metal stuff, which so few people like because probably it's horrible, honestly. And so, and so there we are. And we start bonding over this music thing. We're looking at each other like we each have two heads because no one likes this music. And here we are from two separate coasts in the same car rocking out. And we're like talking about, you like the 77s? Oh my gosh. And you, what about the crucified? What about Man at the World? What kind of name is that for a Christian band? Or like, like the whole thing, right? And we have this whole long conversation. And poor Andrew's in the back thinking, why wasn't I born 10 years earlier, right? I know that's what you were thinking, man. And so he's back there. And then as we finish the conversation, Mel goes like this. Mel goes, you know what? If guys like you lived out here, we'd be like best buds. Now, when a grown man says something like that, both of you turn into eight-year-old boys, okay? And I was like, cool, man. You want to like throw some rocks off of the bridge after school? You know, it's just, like, it's just that, that, that clicking that takes place, right? Now, here's what Paul knows. We will click like that with some people, but we will not click like that with everyone. And so we have to bear sometimes with each other in 
love? Is there anyone you have to bear with in love? Anybody you have to say, okay, I'm going to bear with you. It's not easy, but I'm going to lovingly, not just bear with you, not just go be your annoying self over there. No, I'm going to bear with you in love. And it says this, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. What does this mean? This means Paul knows the church is perfect, right? No. This means Paul knows the church is not perfect and the people in the church are not perfect. This means Paul's assuming there are going to be things to forgive. So I ask you a question. Does anybody have something they got to let go of? Something that they have to forgive, a grievance against someone else here today? Now, I know I said I was going to save the motivation for a little bit later on, but we do get to a pretty powerful motivation right here. Look at what it says in this next part. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is just huge, right? If you need some motivation, this is where we start, right? See, we forgive others because God forgave us. That's pretty cut and dry. That's pretty clear. And so we forgive others because God forgave us. And so we're able to say, okay, um, I don't want to. It doesn't feel good. It's, it's, It's hard. It's difficult. But wait a minute. I've been forgiven. How can I withhold forgiveness? How can I hang on to this? How can I not also let this go? Is there someone you need to forgive? We're going to talk more about that as we go. Verse 15, this is great. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. So think about that. Here's that body illustration again, right? Paul brought it up in Corinthians, which we looked at last week, but now we're in Colossians. He says, hey, We're one body, one, right? Which means, whether you like it or not, the other people that are sitting in the seats around you, the other people that sat here at the 9.30 and will sit here at the 7, we all belong to one body, one thing going on here. And we're called to peace within that body. We're called to fight for that peace within this body. We're not called to give up. We're called to make up. And so often I think it's like, oh man, I just... You know, it's easy to walk away. It's easy to just go do something else. It's easy to just let that go. It's easy to, right? But, but that's not what we're called to. We're called to so much more than that. And God has so much better for us than that. And so when we're hurt and when we're broken, we got to humble ourselves. And we got to ask forgiveness. We got to extend forgiveness to others. This past week, I found that I hurt somebody that I care for. And I had no idea. I had no idea, like, like my intentions were good. I had no idea that what I did caused this person pain, but this is someone that I care for. This is someone that I want to be a friend with for the rest of my life. This is someone that I, I hope will, will know Jesus someday. This is someone I really care for. And so I just, I humbled myself and, and I didn't let it go. I didn't let it go. Like I, I want to make sure this relationship was made right. And so I humbled myself and I, and I asked forgiveness. And I made sure that I did all I could do to make that thing right. And thank God God restored it this week. I'm so thankful for that. But, you know, it would have been easy for both parties to just walk away. It would have been so easy for both of us to just turn our backs. But, man, there's a relationship there. And, man, I'll tell you what, as Christians, we have to look different than everybody else. Most people just walk away. But can I ask you a question? Is that really how you want to live your life? Like, do you want to be, like, 80 with no friends? You know? I want to be 80 with lots of friends. But do you know what that's going to take? It's going to t- I wonder if I'll be bald by then. That's going to take a lifetime of me forgiving and being forgiven. Otherwise, I will be alone when I'm 80, right? And so I just want to live my life the way God calls us to and the way that's going to lead to that really fruitfulness later in life. It takes investment, takes time, but it's so incredibly worth it. And remember, God is calling us to this, not me, not our staff, not our elders, not the person in the seat next to you. God's calling you and I to this peace. So is there someone you need to make peace with? The next part. I love this. This seems like out of left field, but it's so powerful. And be thankful. 
Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And it's like, well, what does that have to do with everything else? Well, guys, there should be something that happens when you enter a room. Have you thought about that? That's actually something our staff's been talking about a lot lately. That when we enter a room, either we lift that room up with the presence of God, or we walk into that room and it stays the same, or we throw a wet blanket over everything and make it worse, right? So how do you enter a room? I love, I think that's kind of what Paul's saying here. When you enter a room, you should be uplifting. You should be praising God together. You should be encouraging one another with, with, with the words of Scripture, right? And the way we do that is by first preaching it to our own heart. See, we don't want to be a church full of plastic fake people. We got to be real. Sometimes we got to have hard conversations to fight for peace, Right? But when you and I are preaching the gospel to ourselves, when we're thankful, like that verse just said, when the like, worship of God's coming out of our mouth as we walk into a room, when encouragement's flowing out of our heart to the other people in the room, man, God's going to use us to lift and transform environments. So I love this. I think this is right in there with the unity because we're called to lift each other up by carrying in the word of God and the presence of God. And I love this, verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It is really hard to tell somebody off in the name of Jesus and to his glory, right? You're a loser, never going to amount to anything in Jesus' name and for his glory, amen, right? It doesn't work, right? And so here's a little filter. Can you put this filter on everything you do, ready? What if before we told somebody off, we stopped, we took a breath in and we asked this question, can I do this in Jesus' name? Like, what's about to flow out of my mouth? Can I say these words in Jesus' name? Or what about doing things, right? It says, in word and deed, do it all in Jesus' name, right? So, all right, I'm going to hold on to this unforgiveness. Well, let me ask you a question. Can you hold on to it in Jesus' name? Can you hold on to that offense in Jesus' name? Or if you're going to line your heart up and do everything in Jesus' name, then would you have to let that go, right? And so I think it's a powerful filter for you and for me. And here's what I can tell you. As long as we hang on to anger and unforgiveness and, and gossip and disunity and all those things, here's what will happen. We're going to burn through friendship after friendship after friendship. We're going to go through church after church after church because the reality is we get hurt here and we go somewhere else. And guess what's going to happen there? We get hurt there and we go somewhere else and we get there. You know, we got to be so careful that we say, no, I'm actually going to invest somewhere, Right? I'm going to invest, invest in a place and make sure that I'm doing what God calls me to do. In fact, God put something on my heart this morning that I feel like I should share with you. It makes me a little bit uncomfortable to do so because I want to make sure you all know that I want you here, okay? I love that you're here, and I pray that you'll remain here if that's God's will. But let me ask you a question. Is anybody here today because you got hurt at another church? Like, that's really why you're here. I mean, God does move people from different churches. I grew up in a great church in Northport, and now I'm here. So God does move people from church to church. But is anybody here today because you got wounded somewhere else and you ran from it? Here's what I would ask you to do. I would ask you to bring that before God. I would ask you to maybe even meet with your old pastor. If there's anything you need to apologize for, apologize for it. And I would even say, as much as I want you here, love that you're here, if you left and you should be there, go back. Go back. See, the beautiful thing about the body of God is it's not just living, church, living word church. It is the huge zoomed out church around the world. And so if you belong there, then man, my prayer is you'd go be there. And again, I want you here. There's not one person in this room I'm preaching at like hopefully they get the hint. No, like I'm so glad 
that every single person in this room is here, and I hope you stay. I just want to make sure that you're as healthy as you can be, and the church, not just this church, but the church is as healthy as it can be. And sometimes I just think we, we get a little bit hurt, or maybe really hurt, and then we get confused what, what God's really saying. Is he saying, move? And sometimes he does. Or is he saying, you know what? Fight for this. So just, just pray about that. I hope that doesn't make you too uncomfortable. Again, love you. Glad that you're here. But I hope now, as we've kind of worked our way through those verses, that as some of you guys are in category one, you're like, oh, hey, Doug, shut up already. Let me just forgive, right? And some of you guys are in category two still saying no, no, no. And some of you are in category three going, I hope so. I hope by the end of today I can, but help me learn why and help me learn how. We're going to look at this next part because here's what's brilliant. Paul gives us all the motivation we need to forgive. And he really helps us understand how to do it. He helps us understand how to do all the things that we just talked about. How to love. How to bear with one another in love. How to be patient. How to forgive. Okay? And really, all we're going to do is just back up to the beginning of Colossians chapter 3. It's this very same chapter we've been in. We read the second half. Now we're going to jump back to the first and find our motivation. Here we go. Verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Motivation number one to forgive, to love, to bear with one another is you have been raised with Christ. Right? The truth is every one of us deserve nothing from God. Every one of us should have no relationship with Jesus. Every one of us should have no ability to approach God in prayer. Every one of us should have no hope of salvation at the end of our life. But we do because we've been raised with Christ. Just like Jesus was placed in a grave dead, but he was raised back to life. That's the picture of what God's done in your life and my life. In our soul, he raised us to life. And you know what? Because I've been raised to life, I gotta forgive. I don't deserve to be raised to life, but I gotta forgive. I gotta fight for unity. I've gotta work toward peace. He goes on. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Motivation number two. We're commanded to set our hearts and minds on things above, right? What does that mean? It means you set your mind on heavenly things, on what's going on in heaven. Can I tell you something about heaven today? There's no disunity in heaven today. Like there's nobody arguing in heaven today. There's nobody fighting. There's nobody, oh, did you hear about Michael and Gabriel? I haven't talked in a while. Like that's not happening in heaven today, right? Because there's perfect unity because they're not giving in to things like unforgiveness and anger. And so Paul says, hey, you know what? If you need some motivation on doing things God's way, set your minds on heaven. Set your minds on the things above, not on the offense that you got here, not on the hurt that that person caused you. No, set your mind on things above. Next part. He says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Motivation number three, the old you is dead. The old you is dead. The you that used to hang on to unforgiveness isn't you anymore, right? The you that used to, you know, have the perfect comeback and the perfect moment and the perfect revenge and the, and the perfect nasty way to curse somebody out. Like, like that you is dead, right? When you put your trust in Jesus, that old you went, went, went away and there's this new you filled with the Holy Spirit. This new you that's able to walk forward and say, you know what, I'm going to fight for unity. I can forgive because the power of God's in me. I mean, me, Doug Jansen, I can't forgive on my own, but the Holy Spirit's in my life and there's nothing more powerful. So I can and I will forgive. The old you's dead. Verse four, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Motivation number four, you're going to heaven. You're going to heaven. If there's anything that should make you and I want to forgive, it's the fact that we've been forgiven to the point that we as sinners can go to heaven because we've been made clean. 
Motivation number four, you're going to heaven. Like, like shouldn't that stir something up in our soul and say, man, I've been wanting to hang on to this for so long and I've been so hurt and so broken over it, but how can I hang on to this if I'm going to be with Jesus one day? And let's think about that for a second. We're going to stand before Jesus one day. We're going to stand before him. It's going to be an awesome moment, but it's going to be an intense moment. And you and I will have access to him because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. So it's not like I'm trying to say we need to be afraid of that moment, but at the same time, I want to stand before him in the, in, in the best of the, of the way that he's empowered me, saying, God, I, I forgave those who hurt me as best I could by your grace. I, I fought for unity in the church as best I could. I fought for, for love and compassion. I, 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 did, I did my best, Lord, to shut gossip down, not just not say it, but also shut it down when someone else brings it to me. I did my best, God, because I love you, because of what you did for me, because I'm here, because I have heaven. And I think that's what you want to say too. Verse five, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual impurity, or I'm sorry, immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And I love this, verse seven, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So there it is again. You're, you're, you're not you anymore. You're not the old you who just did all this stuff. And you're going, but Doug, this has nothing to do with unity and love. Well, look at what it says next. But now... You must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Paul tells us, rid yourself of these things. That was old you stuff. This isn't new you. This isn't the new creation stuff that God died to create in you. And so you're going, Doug, but how do I do it? How do I? Well, we're going to get there. Just hang in there. Verse 9, do not lie to each other. Now, this is interesting. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Isn't it interesting? Paul starts to hint at something interesting here. He almost makes it sound like we have, you ready? A choice. Take off that old stuff and, and put on the new. You've taken off the old and you've put on the new. It almost makes it sound like we have a choice. We have an opportunity to either forgive or not forgive to hold grudges or to let them go, to fight for unity or just kind of continue to play it safe, to uh, just annoy, uh, ignore that annoying po- uh, person and hope that they do well over there in the corner or turn around in compassion and humility and kindness and reach out to them, right? Almost makes it sound like there's a choice. And now look at this, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, you ready? Clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves with what? With compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourself with these things. It is a choice. We get to decide what we're going to put on. This is Saturday night with me hanging out with Landon and Bryn, looking through my clothes in the closet. What am I going to wear tomorrow? What am I going to put on? And we have a choice. I'm telling you right now, the enemy recommends put this one on. The enemy recommends put that one on. But God's saying, no, no, I have something so different for you. So the choice is ours. And the reality, guys, is is we will choose to either put on this shirt, right, and wear it around. We will choose to wear hate. We will choose to clothe ourselves in hate and walk around. And this will be exactly how we treat everyone. And this will be what we walk into the school with. And this will be what you walk into your home with. And this will be what you walk into your office with. Or we can make a very different choice. We can say, no, 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 no. Instead, I'm going to do what Jesus said. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to clothe myself in kindness. I'm going to choose to put this on. Just like I'm standing in my closet and I can either put this shirt on or not put this shirt on. I'm going to clothe myself with kindness, humility, 
gentleness, compassion, right? And then it goes on. Verse 14. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And so God says, all right, put on kindness and humility. But then I want you to make sure that over it all, once all those other things are on, I want you to make sure that you are wearing love. Man, is it hot up here. So what's the choice? See, it's a choice. That, that, maybe that's the big news flash for some of us here in the room today. It is a choice. You get to choose if you will carry unforgiveness, hate, or kindness, forgiveness, or love. What will you choose? See, here's the beautiful thing. Hate doesn't get to win. And maybe our whole lives we've thought it, it had to. Because it feels like it's just in us. It feels like it's so consuming. It feels like it's all we know. But hate doesn't get to win because God gave us the choice to choose love. Hate can't overpower us because love personified lives in us. And so today, my bottom line is not a statement. It's a question for you. I don't want to give you information. I want to ask you a question so you'll respond. And here is the question. Will you clothe yourself with love? Because it's a choice you have to make. But Doug, I don't know how. Well, we're going to talk about it. But, but I just feel like I can't. I feel like I'm ill-equipped. I feel like I don't know how. Okay, we're going to talk about it. But will you start with this choice? Category one, oh man, I've been in all along. I'm so ready to choose love and forgiveness, right? Category two, oh man, I started out this message thinking there was no way, but man, you're talking about being forgiven by God, getting heaven, setting my mind on, on heaven, not on earth. You're talking about the fact the old me is dead. Man, will I choose love? That's my question right now. Category three, but, but, but how, right? I'm so hurt. How do I do it? What do I do? Well, we're going to continue to work our way through some application points here because the truth is, is there's some things true about somebody who chooses to clothe themselves with love. First off, they choose to say, all right, I'm not okay with anger anymore. I'm not okay with unforgiveness. I'm not okay with cursing somebody out. I'm not okay with screaming at somebody. I'm not okay with beating somebody up. I'm not okay with plotting revenge. I'm not okay with throwing stuff. I'm not okay at screaming people who I love and who I care for right? I'm, not, I'm just not okay with that stuff. I'm not okay with gossip anymore. I'm not all right with it. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to speak it, right? But also, it takes it a step further, and a person who clothes himself in love says, I'm going to put on humility. I'm going to put on compassion. I'm going to put on gentleness. When, when I could just respond, guys, I get it. Guys, listen, imperfect person number one here in the room guys I I get the fight in this I get the but I don't want to I get the but I can't I like I'm right there with you but see the, the key in all of this is our relationship with Jesus like that is the empowerment Anthony the other day one of our interns calls me we're on our way from pastor's office to here he calls me I hadn't left pastor's pastor's house yet and he goes, Doug, are you still at pastors? I was like, yep. Yeah. He's like, um, I ran out of gas. I'm like, you're fired. <laughs> no, sweet. All right, great. What we got to do, right? No, no, no. Something happened. There was this missing ingredient in Anthony that made him get stuck right where he was. He ran out of gas. And some of us have run out of gas, so to speak, because we're missing that ingredient of intimacy with Jesus, of closeness with him. 
I'm telling you right now, you can't forgive like I'm asking you to today. You, you can't. You can't find, find compassion or humility like I'm asking you to today. You, you can't on your own, but that closeness with Jesus, that nearness, that conversation you have with him throughout your day, uh, opening his word, you being here, coming to Deeper Thursday, uh, coming to Green Room Friday night, being in a community group, all these different things we do to be close to Jesus fosters that intimacy with him, that nearness with him, and out of that comes the overflow of these things we can't create in ourselves. It's all wrapped up in him. And so if you're saying, I can't forgive, you can forgive if you're near Jesus. You can. I can't fight for love. I can't bear with that person in love. Try praying for him every day. See what happens. See what happens. See, it's all wrapped up in that nearness with him. Those of us who put love on, those of us who clothe ourselves with that love, you know what we do? We we forgive and we don't bring it back up again. This is one of the things that Kelly and I have have worked on in our marriage. This is one of the things we give advice to in our premarital counseling and couples that we counsel with. And stop bringing stuff up from the past. There was once this little boy who was an orphan and he was waiting to be adopted and couldn't wait. And his family came and they adopted him. And, And he was living in the orphanage for years and years. And so his shoes, his clothes, everything was ripped and dirty and disgusting. And, and they took him home and they gave him all new clothes and new sneakers. And he became a part of the family. He was outside playing with the other kids in the neighborhood and just felt like, wow, finally I'm at home. And he walked in one day and there was on the mantle, his, his old smelly ripped up sneakers He's saying to himself, that's so weird. Why are they here? Like they threw out all the rest of my clothes. And soon after he found out because eventually he misbehaved and and the dad went over, grabbed the sneakers off the mantle and held them up and said, don't you remember who you were? Don't you remember where you came from and all that we've done for you? You Guys, I gotta tell you, some of us have some shoes on our mantle, don't we? Some of us have somebody's shoes up on that mantle waiting for that right moment to pull them out and put them in somebody's face again. Guys, God threw out our shoes along with everything else. And that's what we've got to do for those in our lives who have wronged us. Someone who clothes himself with love becomes a unifier. Years ago, there was this sweet lady who worked on our youth staff. Her name was Kathy. And she was much older than everybody else. She was way older than all of us. I was like young 20s as a youth pastor and older than all the kids. And Kathy, if you're listening to the podcast, I love you. You're not old. But, but she was much older than us. And this one time in the church, we made some changes. And, and we got kind of loud music and all this lighting stuff because we wanted to reach younger people. We wanted to just kind of have a, a different sort of just, you know, vibe about the church and the way that we reached out to the community and those that didn't know Jesus yet. And, and a bunch of people in the church got mad and left. And it was so painful. It was one of the two most painful I can remember as a pastor. And Kathy was able to stand through it and not get pulled off like all her friends were. Like she was a part of this whole group. They all left, but Kathy stayed. And I remember one Sunday I had Kathy come up on stage and I said, Kathy, how did you work through the disagreement? How were you able to stay when everyone else left? She said something so brilliant. She said, Doug, we don't always see eye to eye but we see heart to heart. And that's what's so important. You're gonna disagree with something at some point with somebody, right? Hundreds of people in a church, you're gonna disagree with somebody about this or that. But I'll tell you what, we can look past that because we're looking at each other's hearts. It doesn't matter we don't see eye to eye. Our hearts are lined up. Our hearts are beating for Jesus. Our hearts are beating for what Jesus can do in this community, in our church, and through our church. Guys, Thanos is coming. We don't have time to disagree. We gotta be on mission. 
And I just, I don't know how this all works, you know, when you get to heaven, what conversations you do have or you don't have, but I just have to wonder if when we get to heaven, we'll be going, man, remember those times we were in the church walls arguing about X, Y, or Z? And all the world outside was going to hell. Like, remember that? When I was in college, there were two hot topics that everyone was arguing about, all the Christians. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, I'm so sorry that Christians are so messed up sometimes. But we were arguing about two things. Number one was when Jesus was coming back. Number two was, do you have free will or is it predestination, right? And I got to tell you, if we took the, and I'm not making exaggerations here, the billions of hours Christians wasted inside the wall, arguing about all that, and we got them outside the wall, investing in their neighbors and their friends at school, we would see so many more people close to Jesus. I'm telling you, one of the devil's best tricks is to get a bunch of us all turned in on each other so we can't impact anybody out there. Isn't it interesting that we'll be in heaven and six words are gonna sum it up. Oh, that's how God did it. Have you ever thought about that? Billions of hours of arguing about things that in the end of the day don't really matter as long as we're living for Jesus every day. Six words. I'll look at you and I'll go, oh, that's how God did it. That's when he came back. Oh, that's how he did it. Free will, predestined. Oh, is this whole other thing? Cool. Hmm, who knew? That's how he did it. Right? Guys, there's a world that needs Jesus. We have got to get past our disunity. I got to thank you at the same time because so many of you guys live this. So many of you guys fight for this. So many of you guys have pushed past it. You have loved. You have forgiven. You have fought for it. You have shut down gossip. I want to thank you so incredibly much for that. But let me just challenge you as I wrap this up. I got to start with the leaders because leaders are held to a higher standard. And leaders impact everybody else. In fact, I was listening to a podcast recently and they talked about how the leadership of the church, all that happens there, unity or disunity trickles down to the rest of the church. And so we got to start, and there's this organization that works with churches to try to measure the health of the church. They said, give me your core 50 people, I'll tell you the health of the whole church. That's how it works. And so let me start with our staff and your spouses. Let me start with our elders and your spouses. Let me start with our team leaders and our community group leaders and your spouses. And let me plead with you, please, guys, please, we got to be unified. We got to love well. We got to forgive others. We got to be, we got to have each other's backs. We got to shut down gossip. We got to close our own mouths and we got to shut down other people's gossip. We got to be each other's biggest fans. We got to be cheering each other on because there's a mission Jesus gave us. And he prayed in John 17, we would be one, one church, right? And I'm so tired because I love people. I'm so tired of those that get stolen away. It literally breaks my heart because I love you guys and I love the people of this church. And I think, though God does move people from church to church at times, I think so often people get stolen away because they got hurt and they weren't willing to stay and work it out. God calls us to work it out. To the rest of you, will you fight for unity? Will you fight to forgive? And some of you guys are like, Doug, I could care less right now, honestly, about the state of our church. I'm just so wounded inside because my spouse cheated on me. Because my child told me the last thing they said before we walked out the door was that they hated me. Like, I understand, guys, there's a lot going on in this room. But the same principles apply to your personal life as apply to us as a huge follower, uh, body of Jesus, right? That we would love and that we would forgive and that we would fight for unity. And some of you guys are like, but Doug, 
I'm being abused or I'm, I'm being, you know, uh, I'm in this friend group and they're always, I'm always the brunt of the joke. Like, how do I, do, how do I navigate all that? Like, I, I, I know I can forgive, but do I keep putting myself back in there to keep getting, all right, well, that's a conversation. Let's talk about that. Let's meet and let's talk about that. But zoomed out, we've got to love and we've got to forgive. And so will you be motivated by what Jesus has done for you? Will you be motivated by the fact that heaven awaits you and that you've been forgiven? And if you are, then I'll tell you what's going to happen. If we'll live this, we'll be the people God wants us to be. We'll be the church God wants us to be. And we will rescue so many more out of the clutches of hell than we ever will if we are not on the same page. Some of you guys are like, Doug, I still don't know how to do it because I'm just so hurt. My friend in the back, Heber, gave me permission to share this story as I close today. He said that when he was in the military, people would get shot as they were out in battle. And what they would do is they would put this certain powder over the wound to stop the bleeding so that the person wouldn't bleed out on the, on the, on the battlefield. And he said that the tricky thing is though while it would save them in the moment, it wouldn't heal the wound. And so then you'd have to go to the hospital and the doctor would have to dig all that junk out and then actually heal the wound. And here's what I think, guys. If you and I today are saying, I'm not able, I'm not able to forgive, I can't do it, I can't love, I can't push past it, then I'll tell you what's going on. You got shot on the battlefield. And you threw some stuff at the wound. You threw some entertainment. You threw some alcohol. You threw a relationship at the wound. And you thought, oh wow, the bleeding stopped. But you're not healed. You're not whole. And I found this in my life. I was yelling at the people I love the most. I was, I was acting in anger toward the people I love the most because I got shot on the battlefield and I just threw stuff at it. I'm telling you right now, the key to you and I being able to move past and forgive and heal is going to Jesus and say, Jesus, take all this, this junk that out of this wound that I have been carrying around, all this junk that I threw at this wound, and God, not only remove that, but Lord, then God, you gotta heal me so I can love and I can forgive like you've called me to. Will you clothe yourself in love? If you're not a follower of Jesus, you hear me talk about forgiveness, heaven, salvation, the fact that Jesus died for you, the fact that he's forgiven you. If you want to put your trust in him today, I pray you'll do that. But followers of Jesus, we got to get this right. We got to look different than the world. We got to look different than what's expected. That won't change anybody. And so will you clothe yourself with love? Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much that you've given us great vision to make a difference in our community. Great vision to make a difference on Long Island, God. Great diff uh, vision to make a difference in the schools you've given us, in our work environments, God, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. God, you've given us a heart as a church to reach out, but God, right now, this is a moment where we gotta do a self-analysis of our own heart inside these walls. And we gotta ask you to do a miracle and unify us, God, and break down gossip and break down disunity and break down unforgiveness and break down hate and anger. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you pray about that? Would you pray about what you need God to do in you specifically? And then would you follow through with what he calls you to do? If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him today, would you just pray with me right now? Just something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me. Thank you so much for loving me. Thank you so much for purchasing heaven for me. Oh God, forgive me for my sin. And show me what it is to follow you. Just before we open our eyes today, if anyone prayed that prayer for the first time, would you just quickly look up at me today? I want to make sure I'm praying for you this week. Did anybody do that? Just go ahead and quick, quickly shoot me a look right up here. And I'll make sure I'm praying for you this week. 
Thank you, God. We just praise you for all you're doing. And we trust you to continue an awesome work in those lives you've touched today. In your name, amen.